0: So it's probably one of my poorest choices of the year. Uh, If you haven't been here for the last few weeks, last six weeks or so, we're doing a series called Flawed. And this is a series that's network-wide, and a lot of uh, the campus pastors are going to other locations and uh, preaching, uh, they're preaching a message at like North Bay and and downtown and Ferndale. On the August 20th, I'm actually heading out to North Bay and going to preach um, this uh, message on Samson. Uh, now it's not a family service there, and so what? What I did that was a huge mistake is when we, as pastors, got together and decided uh, which characters we would focus on in this series. Uh, I picked Samson, eyeballing uh, our family service. I thought, you know what? Oh, Samson. I mean, he's got the long hair, and they cut his hair, and he's no longer strong. And, uh, and I thought, oh, that would be a great person and character to share for family service with all the kids here. And I did it on a whim. And then I went and read the story of Samson, of which I had read before and knew a lot of the details anyways. And so uh, I encourage you, uh, if you haven't read the story of Samson, it's in uh, Judges. Uh, it's in your bulletin. It's listed in there, Judges 13 through 16. Uh, I would encourage you to do one of two things or both if you want to. Go read Judges 13 through 16 after this message, Uh, and then uh, you could even listen on North Bay's website after August 20th and hear the uh, adult version of Samson's story, Uh, because what I have done today is I've taken the story of Samson and made it all right for children to hear. Uh, So kids, you're welcome. Parents, you're welcome. That you shouldn't have too many awkward conversations with your kids uh, later on today, as we look at some of the uh, concepts and life choices that Samson made that, uh, that, that are in the Bible, Judges 13 through 16. Uh, and so this morning, we're going to look at the story of Samson and some of the decisions he made. And you might think, some of you might think that you know about Samson. I mean, Samson was a strong guy in the Bible that did some things with his strength that was great for God. Uh, Some of you might even take it a little further and you know Samson's story as the guy who got his hair cut uh, and was no longer strong anymore and then he died. Uh, Or some of you maybe really do know the story of Samson and the different decisions and things that he did in his life life that, uh, that, you know, frankly, weren't all that great. And I question why he made Hebrews 11, which is the focus of our flawed series the hall of faith, the names listed in Hebrews 11 of the amazing people who by faith did amazing things for God. Because I can actually say that that statement, that by faith Samson did amazing things with God, isn't really true for his life that I see in the scriptures. Uh, if you know uh, the story of Samson, he, he's uh, he's a judge during the time where Israel's people are in the promised land and And uh, they continue to be disobedient to God, and God continues to deliver them to his enemies and then raises up a judge. uh, Not a king, uh, but a judge. And Samson falls as the 12th judge uh, in the book of Judges, who who God actually rises up from birth. Because that's what we know to be maybe the foundation of what made Samson uh, get into the pages of Hebrews 11, is that from birth he was set apart for God then after that, everything changed. Samson was born. He had that natural strength. Uh, He took a vow, which we'll talk about later, which said don't cut his hair. Um, He was strong, and he abused it. From the beginning, he was young. He was raised up, and uh, he wanted a wife. And he actually told his parents, go and get me that wife. I want this wife. And it was the Philistines who had come in and taken over the land because of Israel's uh, disobedience. And, um, and he actually told his parents, go get me that girl. That's who I want to marry. And his parents were like, well, wait, you know, you're not even supposed to marry those people. And that's, and he's like, yes, that's who I want. And so he goes and, uh, he picks his first wife, uh, and he tells his parents to go get him. And then, uh, and then they go and meet her. And then on his way back to take, take her as his wife, uh, he, uh, you may ask how strong is Samson? He, Uh, wrestles and kills a lion. So I don't know if you knew that about Samson's story. On his way to go uh, meet his first wife, he kills a lion with his bare hands. It says it's a young lion, but it's a lion nonetheless. Uh, Whether it's young or old or indifferent, I'm not wrestling any lions. I don't think any of us in this room would do that either. And then uh, it says sometime later, he goes back to that lion. And inside, yeah, yeah, it's in your bulletin. And inside the mouth of the lion, bees had gathered and started making honey. And so another thing that goes against the vow that God had set for him is he ate the honey out of the dead lion's mouth. Does that sound really appetizing to you? No, not at all. Goes against the vow that he took to not be in contact with anything dead. um, But that's what he does. And then this is great. Judges 14 I'll read it to you. Judges 14, 8 through about 18, it says this. This is after he's uh, killed the lion. Uh, sometime later, he went back to marry, uh, to marry her and turned aside and looked at the lion's carcass and a swarm of bees had made some honey, which he scooped out of his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave some to his parents, not telling that it was out of a dead lion because they wouldn't have ate it anyways. I added that. Um but he did not tell them that it, uh, he had taken honey from the lion's carcass. Now his father went down to see the woman, and Samson made a feast there, as it was a custom for the bridegrooms. When he appeared, he was given 30 companions. And this is just a testament to Samson being kind of not even thoughtful to anybody. He says, Let me tell you a riddle, Samson said. Uh, and he says, yeah, if, you, if, uh, if you gave me the answer within seven days of the feast, I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. So he's going to give them 30 pairs of underwear and 30 clothes, which is, again, weird. Um, if you can tell me the answer to the riddle, you must give, uh, you must give me. If you, if you don't know the answer, you must give me 30 pairs of underwear, 30 sets of clothes, Uh, And then they say, these 30 people that are related to his wife, tell us the riddle, they said. Let's hear it. He replied, out of the eater, something to eat, and out of the strong, something sweet. So you're like, what? How would they know that? I mean, obviously, we know that that's related to the lion. No, if you didn't, now you do. Uh, That's related to the lion. We know the end of the riddle because we find out that they solve in a second. And so he says, out of the eater, something to eat, and out of out of the strong, something sweet. And they're supposed to solve this riddle. This is ultimately the hardest riddle in the world. If I said that to you, you'd be like, I have no idea. So they were there. So for three days, they, gave, uh, they could not give an answer. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, Coax your husband into planning the, uh, planning the uh, riddle for us, explaining the riddle for us. For we, uh, for we will burn you and your... F- okay, we'll skip that. That's the P- That's a PG-13 version. Then Samson's wife threw herself on him, sobbing. You hate me, she says. You don't really love me. You give, me to the pe- you give the people a riddle, but you haven't told even me the answer. I haven't even explained it to my father and mother, he replied. So why should I explain it to you? She cried the whole seven days of the feast. And on the seventh day he finally told her. So on the seventh day, Samson told her. And because she she continued to press him, she in turn explained the riddle to her people. And before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, this is the answer to the riddle, what is sweeter than honey, what is stronger than a lion, they said to Samson. And then this is great. Parents will get this. Uh, If you had not plowed with my heifer going to leave that one alone. You would not have solved my riddle. All right. So that's a riddle that Samson tells these people. And then Samson goes on to take, even though that they, they, uh, they solved the riddle. Samson goes on to take the 30 clothes, the 30 uh, uh, pairs of underwear and 30 clothes. Uh, he comes back and, and this upsets his wife's family. And he comes back to them and he says, uh, he comes back to get his wife. And at that point, Samson had left for a duration of time. We don't know the amount of time. But he comes back when it's convenient for him to take his wife back. And in that moment, the, uh, the father of, the, of Samson's wife says, I've already given him away to somebody else. You left. You know, uh, nothing. You know, we didn't even wait around for you. Uh, you know, uh, she's actually got a sister if you want her. That upset Samson uh, and Samson. Uh, because he, he at that time he wanted his wife back. And then one of the most amazing things happens in Samson's life. I think this far outweighs the whole cutting of hair story that we all know about Samson. I'm not sure why Samson isn't known for this uh, in the story. But Samson's so upset at these Philistine people that he catches 300 foxes. How many of you have caught a fox before? No. All right. Oh, you have? Abby's caught a fox before. That's good. She sleeps with it every night in her bed. Uh, And so uh, he catches 300 foxes, but he doesn't only catch 300 foxes. He ties their tails together, puts torches in their tails, and sends them out into the fields of the Philistines. Now, at this point, the Philistines actually are in charge of the crops of the Israelites because they've taken over the land. So Samson sends these foxes out to burn down the crops of these people who have upset him. Again, a selfish decision maybe, I don't know, but a funny story, right? I mean, how do you catch a fox? How do you tie the tails together? How do you get them to do whatever you want them to do? I don't know. Samson did it, all right? And then just after that, he's upset not only the Philistines, now he's upsetting his people, uh, and he meets the girl named Delilah. And so uh, a girl he should never have fallen in love with, he falls in love with her. She teams up with the enemy and tricks Samson into giving up his source of his strength, which is in his hair. So this morning, what I want us to do, though, is I want us to see Samson for who he is. Uh, It's uh, at this time that God's people, like I said, the Israelites had been falling into this cycle of disobedience over and over again. God delivers them to his enemies, and then he raises up a judge to deliver them out of that, and Samson is that person. From birth, God has raised Samson up to deliver the Israelites out of the hands of the Philistines. And I think there is so much for us to learn in the lessons of Samson's life that we can apply to our lives. But we got to see him for the decisions that he made and how he lived. Uh, Samson's life can be summed up a lot of like that cycle of the Israelites is, that uh, they, they did what is right in their own eyes, it says, as we talked about a few weeks ago. They did what is right in their own eyes. And that sums up Samson's life really well. He continued over and over all the decisions he made to do what was right in his own eyes. Selfishly. Even though God had gifted them. Even though God had raised him up. Even though God had set him apart at birth. He continued to do what was right in his own eyes. Kids, I want you to hear this. And adults, this isn't a bad reminder for us as well. We are all set apart by God. We all created in his image, right? He created you with a specific purpose in gifting in your life, all of us, every single one of us, with a special gifting and purpose. He has a gifting of ability in why and how he created you and what he created you to do. We are all gifted with it. And it's, in many cases, they're all completely different for each one of us. And that includes Samson, right? God has created in you strengths and abilities to do his work. God has created in you strengths and abilities to do his work. And Samson had those as well. Some would say that Samson's Uh, gifting was leadership, right? He had leadership to lead his people, and most definitely he had the gift of strength that God had given him. For Samson, though, he struggled with the desire to do what he wanted, even with those giftings that God gave him, to use them how he wanted to use them. I think for us, at least for me, all too often I choose that same thing. I choose to do and act on things that are for my benefit in my life. I'm going to make you raise your hand. How many of you made a choice like that this week even? A choice that was centered on yourself, that you had only your concern in mind? Kids, you can look around. Adults have their hands up. You know, only one child is is, uh, honest. Here, Jack. Um, No, but... uh, But often we make those decisions in our lives, right? We make a decision that is best suited for what we want as an outcome. Maybe they look like, well, what can I do? Or how can I get what I want in a certain situation? Or maybe it looks like that you're not thinking about how it might affect someone else, your decision that you're making. Or maybe it's not considering the consequences of the decision that you're making in your life and how it's going to play out in the end. What's going to happen when I get what I want? Am I just going to want more? Am I going to want something different? See, those those were the decisions Samson was making. Set apart from the beginning. Actually raised up and taken care of. His life, if he would have lived the life that God had set him apart to live, would have been honored. He would have been respected. He would have been raised up as an amazing leader. But Samson made decisions that were likewise. They were selfish decisions that affected others in himself. The Nazarite vow that uh, Samson took at birth uh, was a vow that had set him apart to lead God's people out of, out of the Philistines' uh, hold and along with that vow came the don't, don't come in contact with dead things. Don't cut your hair. Razor may never touch your body. Uh, don't drink fermented drinks. Things like that. But Samson made the decision to go off and marry a woman outside of the people group that God was raising up. He killed a lion and ate honey out of it. He set fire to crops. Uh, he chose the wrong people to be with in the moment, Delilah. And then in a sense, giving up his strength, which in the end... Uh, played out to be in a sense of abandoning God in his life. Abandoning God for who he was. And here's here's, here's the sad truth for us this morning, is God allows you to abandon his plan for your own. God allows you to do that. God allows you to abandon the plan that he has laid out for you so that you can go off and do whatever it is that you want to do with the life he's given you. He loves us enough, which sounds weird. He loves us enough to allow us to do that, to allow us to go off and make our own decision. The Bible is full of stories of that exact same thing. In Judges alone, there's numerous stories of God's people abandoning their obedience and abandoning what God has for them uh, and then for them making their own decisions and then God intervening and bringing them back and then allowing them to make those decisions again. We have David and Bathsheba. That story is David, God allowed David to make the decisions that he made in his life even though he was an amazing leader. God allowed him to go off and make those decisions. If you know that story, there's some hardship in there but there's also a great ending to that story as well as he allows God to come back and use him. The rich young ruler, right? Jesus comes to the rich young ruler and says, the rich young ruler says, hey, how can I enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, give up everything your own. And the rich young ruler says, well, I'm out, you know, and he leaves. And the Bible actually says that he leaves sad. And in and, and that moment, God allowed him to make those decisions. Jesus stops a parade, uh, a parade uh, and, and teaches about a dad, a dad, a God that will give you life. And he will show you what he desires for you to have in your life. And then he'll let you walk away if you want to. And do whatever it is that you want to do. He will allow you to live the life that you want. That's free will. And that's a defin. it's actually a definition of his love for us. Allowing you to make a choice. Not to, to, uh, to just hijack your life and, and, and make us all into robots that only love him. And No, love's a choice. And God loves us so much that he allows us to make that choice choice in our lives and we do what we often do all too often is what it says in Romans 121 uh, it says although they knew God they exchanged his glory for their own therefore God gave them over to the sinful desires God let them seek their own glory instead of giving the glory of their lives to him Psalms 81, 11, and 12 says, But my people would listen to me, would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. The God in the Bible that I know, that God wants us to know him. He says, If you choose me, you will be called my sons and daughters. If not, if you don't choose me, that's on you. That's a choice that you have in your life. And I think oftentimes we don't even realize that it's even a choice, right? We think that God, uh, in his word, it actually says that he's gonna protect us. And we think that he's gonna protect us from those bad things. And here's the deal. God is a very protecting God. But He will protect us if we make the right choices. If we don't choose to live within his will and underneath his guidance and in a personal relationship with him, that protection is gone. Like he might continue to try to pursue us and continue to try to guide us, but he won't protect us from making bad choices. The choices are on us of what we do in our lives. And we see that in the story of Samson played out in a a couple different ways. One, we see in the story that the Israelite people, these are the people that God had had delivered into the promised land, give them this land of abundance. And then over and over, as I said, 12 times when we get to Samson, they had fallen away. God had delivered them to his enemies. Then he had delivered them out of there and, and blessed them again. And then they fall off again. And 12 times... Over and over. And we see in this 12th time in the story of Samson that the the Philistines, after he would burned the crops, uh, it said 3,000 men from Judah. So God's people had went down to talk to Samson. But they wanted to do more than talk. They wanted to bound up the one person that God said he was going to use to deliver him out and deliver deliver him to the Philistines to die. The Israelites at this point, 12 rotations in, had gotten used to losing, had gotten used to just being rolled over by the enemy. And they had submitted to this. They even told Samson, they said, agreed, uh, we will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. They wanted to take the one person that God had promised to deliver him through. I was actually battling the Philistines at the time. And said, oh, no, this is disrupting our lives too much. We don't like this. And so they wanted to give him away. Israel, God's people, had gotten used to disobedience. They had been accustomed to it. And, and, and this is what kills me today sometimes when I think about it. Because, uh, and, and this isn't saying that I'm not guilty of it, because I am, um, but I also, uh, I help out a lot at Geneva Elementary, and I love kids, if you know it all. I mean, I love doing the children's message, and I love interacting with kids. Um, but I think what happens is, is what we do, even to our children and even as adults, we say to them, well, you know, so-and-so is just a very active child. That's why he's disobedient. Or so-and-so is, uh, Johnny's, uh, you know, Johnny's just, he can't handle a classroom setting or this and that or the other thing. And, and ultimately, we feed excuses into the idea of what could just, uh, could just boil down to um, disobedience, could boil down to, um, uh, the, uh, I'm struggling with the word, obedience and discipline in our lives. And we tend to just believe it in our lives because that's what we've been told. That's what the kids have been told their whole lives, that that's how they are. So that's, they're just going to own that, Right? And for us, maybe some of you are in the same situation. It's just been told how you are. Maybe your parents were that way and your parents' parents were that way and now you're that way. And I want you kids to hear this and I want the adults to hear it as well. God is in the business of changing lives. God is in the business of changing the story. And so what you've been told about your life, measure it up to God and why he created you. Because like I said earlier, God created you with a specific plan, with a specific purpose, with great ability and strengths to do that in your life. I know that to be true because that's what's written on the pages of the Bible. That he's created each one of us uniquely with a purpose. And for all of us, all too often, we become accustomed to the life that we're choosing to live. And, it, and we believe it. And we fall into that habit of believing it. Because here's the deal. Samson struggled with, uh, with making those decisions for himself. How many of you, and I'm not going to make you raise your hand. How many of you struggle with discipline and obedience in your life? Thanks for raising your hand, Abby. Kayla. For me that's where I get in the most trouble is discipline and obedience to the life that I live. When I, when I venture far, when I venture away from being disciplined and obedient to God, that's when I get in trouble. The danger uh, with this is that we, we just tend to start believing that in our lives. And the danger with God is, is he shows up and he blesses you, and he's equipped you with abilities and strength, and then we go off our own way. We go off and say, we got it from here. Right? God sh- shows up and says, this is the way I have for you, and then we say, well, actually, we're going to go this way. Now that we've, we've gotten what we've wanted, or, or we just think that way's better, and it becomes our, our selfish desire, our self-interest. And although God allows us uh, to go after that life on our own, God's desire for us is to get lost in his life and not our own life. God's desire for us is to get lost in the life that he has for you as we recklessly follow him in what he has for our lives. That's what he desires for us. Not to get lost as we often feel in the life that we're living or trying to live, or trying to fulfill in our lives. Samson became used to going after the life that he desired. That's what got him in trouble. He used the gift that God gave him, strength ultimately, and he used it for his own good, and he got lost in it. He continued to go down that path, and it got worse, and worse, and worse, and worse. His, God's desire, is not for you to navigate open waters, to cut a new trail, and to go off on your own. God's desire is for you to follow after him. All too often, we find ourselves taking the quick and easy path, and we get down there in that path, and there's hills everywhere. What's the only way out after that? Going back the way I came in to where God was in our lives. Have you been there in your life? Have you made those decisions in your life? See, but what's crazy about God is that Samson still used him. And some would even argue that God used him all along the way. Right? God used him all along the way, some would say. I can see some of that. But if we look at at Samson's life, all we see is a wake of destruction in his path. We see the chaos that followed him, and not only his people, but the Philistines and everybody was at edge with him, was battling him. But ultimately, what we see is that God had to fulfill the curse of delivering his people out of the enslaved uh, Philistines. And ultimately, the story ends. If you don't know the story, uh, he gets together with Delilah for reasons that he had selfishly for himself. Uh, then uh, she teams up with the enemy and tricks Samson into giving his strength up. Um, I can't fully prove this theory, but I think it's not about the hair. Yeah, you know, they cut his hair and supposedly the strength is gone. I think it's actually the act of complete... of, of distancing himself from God over and over and over and he loses the presence of God in his life. He loses the knowledge of knowing that God was actually meant something to him. And I find it ironic a couple things. One, uh, Samson is captured uh, and really put on display, it says they gouged out his eyes, and they had him in the middle of the temple, and uh, for everybody to see and to jeer him, and this, this amazing man of strength was on display for everybody to, to, to look at him, um, and ultimately they were uh, even uh, calling out to their God, how their God, Diagon, had done it, and, and, um, and in that moment, Samson makes a plea, and his plea is for God to remember him, he says, God, remember me. And I know you've heard it before that in the judgment day, we're going to be face to face with Jesus, and Jesus is going to either know us or not. Right? It's painted the picture that he's going to say, man, I knew you. I mean, we had that relationship. Or he's going to say, man, I didn't, I didn't even know you. And in Samson's case, set apart from God, but lived a life separate from God. And in the end, he says, God, please remember me. Like, do you remember me? I'm Samson. You set me apart. Judges 16, 28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And this is where he messes up. Let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for gouging out my eyes. Like a selfish. I'm like, really? Like. Even in the end, you know, I thought maybe I'd land on that plea to God and be like, oh, and then Samson gave his life. And that's what happened. No, it's a selfish plea, even then to the end for Samson. Strengthen me so that I might get my revenge. Really? Samson cries out, let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes strengthen me see I struggle with this I do because we're looking at this list in Hebrews 11 of a of the hall of faith people like Moses and uh, Abraham next week and we looked at Noah and Abel and and all these Rahab and all these people who by faith did some amazing things Most of them, or all of them, really flawed, as we've been looking at. They all have their flaws, but God still chose to use them. And we can look up at them. Because in Hebrews 11, and and, and this is what brings me comfort, because I can't find Samson, by faith, doing anything for God, other than God delivering the curse. And here's what I find comfort in, that it's, not Samson that we look up to. That it's not Samson that in this Hebrews 11 verse that we're like, oh, you know, and he's elevated and we're like, yeah, look at that amazing story. No, it's God. And this is probably one of the the greatest stories of that case where Samson doesn't get any of the credit. He actually dies in the end when he pulls the pillars down with his last strengthening and he kills more people in that moment than he had, had his entire life, the scripture tells us. But it's not him that gets the glory, it's God. It's no longer their God, Dagon, that gets that glory. God gets the glory. That Samson's life, even though he lived separate for the, for, separated from him for, you know, basically his whole life. God's the one, in the end, that gets the glory. It's not about the people. It's about God. So in the end, Samson destroys more people. God gets the victory. But Samson prevails in the the pages of Hebrews 11 because God is elevated in the story. And a God of grace and mercy and love is who wins the story. And for us in our lives, the same is true. God has a plan for you and your life. He wants you to use the abilities and strength that he's given to you for his purpose. And he will allow you, yes, to go off on your your own as Samson did with his enemy and his people and his wife, all of them getting upset about it and ultimately missed out on a life that, I mean, Samson could have been an amazing leader for God if we would have followed after him. Now, you may feel that same way in your life. You may feel that God had a plan A for your life. And that plan A might be so far gone. Probably a lot like, I mean, I'm just saying that because it's, I mean, it's kind of my story or anybody's story, really. And... You might think, oh man, that plan A for God's life is so far gone from me. You might think you're on plan B, C, D, E, F, whatever it may be. But here's what I know to be true. I know that God's plan, whatever it may be, is far better than even my best plan A for my life. <clears throat> because ultimately, my selfish desires like Samson get in the way. Whatever plan that you're on or wherever you're at with God The plan of falling after him is way better than any plan you can come up with on your own. Because ultimately, what we're called to do here on earth is to give the glory back to God, to not seek the glory in our own lives. Amen? Amen? Let's pray.